J.D. Greer, kind of a hard thing. G-R-E-E-A-R. Okay, guys? And of course, this is not like a, this is kind of like similar to the Lord's Prayer. In the Lord's Prayer, we don't say it verbatim, and we can say it verbatim, amen? But it's, it's, I think the Lord's Prayer is meant to give us a structure of prayer, okay? And this could be a way you can incorporate this into your prayer life. Um, sometimes I'll just pray one of them, honestly, at a time. I'll say, you know, when I'm feeling like I'm getting pulled by an idol, or pulled, but I'm really, like, stressing about something. You ever stress about something, church? Yeah. Yeah. I'll be like, your presence, I'll just say it out loud, your presence and approval, all I need for everlasting joy. Who cares about that compared to you, right? Um, so Exodus 20, let's look at this, okay, guys, together? I know we're handing out stuff. If anyone knows me, you know how I love handouts. Handouts. Um, Exodus chapter 20, verse 3. The Ten Commandments, guys. Remember those guys? You know? Verse 3. You shall have no other God before me. Powerful. Short and sweet. You should have no other gods. No other gods. You know, that's lowercase g. You know, that's, that's saying, you know, okay, yeah, Jesus, you're the board of directors. You're, you're, the, you're the chairman of the board. And then I got my idols, you know, a part of the board. But they don't ultimately make the final decision. You do, Lord. No, no. He says, get all the gods out of the room. There's no other people in the board that have any say. It's just you and me. It's just you and me. I want you across there, and I want you over here. And I want us to have a conversation about your life. No other gods before me. And this is powerful. This is really, this is taking me about a month or two to get it, to dig it. So this is the deep midweek tonight. And I don't think you're going to figure out all your idols tonight. Amen? Maybe one of them will go, bing! Yeah, that one's good. But then, you know, honestly, they change. Um, as, as, as you go through life, actually. You know, you have kids. They can become your idols. Before that, you weren't about that. Right. You know? Um, you know, uh, your job. You weren't, you know, remember when you worked, you know, just making sandwiches or something? It wasn't a big deal. But now your job, it's like, whoa! That can become an idol, you know? Um, and so, your presence and approval, all I need for everlasting joy. That's the prayer, guys. This is powerful. John Calvin said this. The human heart is an idol factory. Oh, that was, the deep, was one of the deepest things I've ever heard. That our hearts just pump out idols, like, like sneeches, you know, just come out of us. You know, and you can see all the smoke and the nastiness coming out of our hearts. But again, we just pump out idols out of our hearts. Um, and for us to think about that, that idols, you know, what did, what did Jonah say, guys? Let's go to Jonah. 
That's, in, uh, that's a hard book to find sometimes. Yeah. And I can't give you a page number because we all have different <laughs> pages. I wish I could. Jonah, chapter 2. It's an amazing passage here, guys. He's in within the belly of a whale. Isn't that funny? This is the prayer. Imagine praying in the belly of a whale. Your presence and approval, Lord, or all I need. <laughs> he wasn't praying that. He was like, help. He humbled out. And he says, verse 8, chapter 2. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. Wow. Other versions say, forfeit the grace that could you have. I, I, I like both versions, actually. Yeah. Both versions hit me. You know, worthless idols. You know, everything that we cherish that's not God, according to the Bible, if we make an idol, is worthless. Yeah. You know, sometimes you read the Old Testament, you're like, how in the world can these people worship these statues? What's up with the Asherah poles? You ever just like stopping kings and you're like, what's even happening right now? These people are doing crazy things. I remember reading and going, stupid people. You know, as a young Christian, now I'm like, oh, man, I'm in there. Stupid people, you know. I went to a Dead Sea Scrolls exhibit. It was amazing to see the ancient Bible before Christ. Uh, People say, oh, the Bible has changed. That's why there's prophecies. Seeing Isaiah... Seeing the book of Isaiah, written by uh, the scribes, 300 B.C., saying the virgin will be with child. We'll name Emmanuel. The government will be on his shoulders, Isaiah 9. Looking at Psalm 22, and I was just like, you could tell they were setting it up to talk about Christ. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is incredible. And I was standing in awe, and it was amazing just to go, I've seen the Dead Sea Scrolls, you know? Boston Museum of Science, man. I didn't have to go far, you know. And, and um, that's a whole other teaching, what those Dead Sea Schools are. But the thing that convicted me the most was they also, alongside, had the Hittite <coughs> idols showing as well. And I was like, why do they have this exhibit? And they said, well, they, they, asked, they actually said, you know, these were found in Israel's villages, mm-hmm. hidden in the rubble of our archaeological finds, our, our finds. Mm. That they were hiding idols. They had idols hidden. These were God's people that had idols mm. hidden. But who saw? Mm. God saw. Yeah. You know, a lot of times we think people were like, going crazy in Israel, you know, they were d- dancing around and, you know, worshiping the golden calf and being idol worshipers, I'm sure that it was very sneaky because they didn't want anyone to know. And then obviously with Baal, it became more public, more bolder, right? But it was hidden. And, you know, we have hidden idols, guys. Even our eyes, sometimes we don't even see them. And so I, I handed this out. <laughs> you guys got this? This one pager here, it's got two sides. It's time to shut down the idol factory. Come on. Closed? 
for business, going out of business, idol factory. Amen? And so to do that, we got we to gotta think about some questions here. I'm going to ask a couple questions. Uh, what's, sorry about that, I didn't spell it right. What, what one thing do you most hope is in your future? That's a question. What's the one thing that you hope for most in your future? Now, let me say this. It's not bad to hope for things. It's not bad to dream for things. We're going to talk about how to still have hopes and dreams that maybe don't involve spiritual things. Everything's spiritual, by the way. Right? Even our jobs. Everything's spiritual. Guess what? God made everything. So everything material is God's. And so essentially, it's all a God thing. Right? Right. But when we put it above, he's saying, what's the one thing do you most hope for in the future? Career, success, family. What about heaven? heaven. Amen. And I want to challenge you. If it's not heaven, there might be an idol in there. Now, I'm not saying we can't have short-term hopes and dreams and goals. I'm not saying that. We're going to talk about how a C.S. Lewis quote that I love that helped me a ton with this. What is the one thing you most worry about losing? Ooh, that's another question. You might find the same kind of things, and that's how you'll know. If you could change one thing about yourself right now, what would it be? Body, job, zip code, home, character trait. You're like, yes. No. You're <laughs> <laughs> speaking my language, bro. You know? What things are you scaredified most of? No, um, what thing have you sacrificed most for? Sorry about that. <laughs> well, scaredified. That's also something you can think about, too. <laughs> Halloween's coming up. Yeah. Who is there in your life that you feel like you can't forgive and why? Do you realize that that's an idol? Lack of forgiveness is an idol. When do you feel the most significant? Is it being a child of God, or is it being getting that promotion, or, or, or having the girlfriend, or boyfriend, or doing this, or doing that? What triggers depression in you, man? That one right there is it. What discourages you? That's huge, because your presence approval, all I need, everlasting joy. So if something makes you depressed, that's standing in the way of everlasting joy, church. Think about it. What makes you depressed? You know, sometimes it's, it might be a child that's acting up. It just depresses you, you know? Maybe it's, it's and I'm not talking about depression, amen? I'm not talking about depression, like right. clinical depression, anxiety. I'm not talking about that. That's a situation that really is uh, brain chemicals and has to do with doctors and I, I believe still, though, people can overcome using these prayers. Amen. What I'm talking about is people that aren't clinically depressed, that have depression in, in bouts. You know what I'm saying? You ever get just that really down? You're like, I'm so discouraged. And you ever share with someone and they're like, you know, it's not so bad. But you're, it doesn't help you. You're like, you know what? It is bad. It's real bad. Where, where do you turn it for comfort when things are not going well? The seven and eight, man, that's it. Seven and eight. It's good. You know what I mean? Like, just walk off, man. That's, that's it. It's hitting my heart. 
These are the two things that hit me. St. Augustine said, things like worry, fear, sadness, and deep depression are smoke from the fires rising from the altars of idolatry. St. Augustine, lighten us up. You know, seven, 1,700 years when he wrote this. <laughs> Pretty good. Pretty amazing. He was brilliant, but this is so true. I think he felt this too. Worry has its root in idolatry. Wow. That's intense. Next time you feel worried, don't think, why am I worrying? Let me just pray. Think, what's the idol that's making me worry? What's the root of it, church? Fear. What makes you afraid? Sadness, deep depression. Smoke from the fires rising from the altars of idolatry. Wow. Now that everyone's convicted, what do we do now, Glenn? What do we do now? Seriously, you're like, man, I got eyes. Now, here's the thing. I'm grateful that God has patience with us. And here's the thing. We can decide tonight to shut down the idol factory. The first thing is we got to recognize it. It's hard to recognize idols. We fool ourselves. Praise the Lord. I'm going to eat this tub of ice cream right now. I'm feeling sad. Nothing wrong with eating ice cream. But you got the two-gallon out. Maybe you got to think a little bit. What's happening here? You know what I mean? Uh, but I've done it before, man. Tough day, long day, long week. I just preached a sermon. Ben and Jerry's waiting for me. Ben and his friend Jerry are going to encourage me right now. You know? I think, you know, viewing stuff online, social status, all that stuff can just fill us up. Comfort. Give us comfort. You know? There's a lot of things that gives us comfort. And I'm not saying food's bad. It, it's thing that Satan does. He takes the beautiful things of God. Yeah. Sex is something God made, amen? Yeah. Food is something God made. Mm. And yet he puts it above our God. Yeah. That's what stops us. So what's the remedy, church? What are we going to do? <laughs> All right, let's, first we've got to realize the fact. Let's go to Ecclesiastes 3.11. See, here's the thing, if we've been talking about joy, rejoice is our theme, right, for the year, and what's the gospel have to do with rejoicing? I mean, a lot, right? But when you think about it, a lot of times we try to pump ourselves up with joy. I have a lot of blessings in Christ. I got a lot of blessings in Christ. You know the things that I felt the most joy is when I got rid of my idols, when I made them worthless. How do you make idols worthless? That's what we're going to talk about. First, you've got to realize nothing compares to Jesus Amen. and God. Amen. And that's why we're all here, amen? amen. We believe that. That's the, I, I'm preaching to the choir, right? Yeah. I'm preaching to people who have made decisions to make Jesus Lord, but I want to remind you mm. that Jesus is better than anything else amen. in this world. Anything else in this world that tries to sabotage our our God, our relationship with God. Um, Ecclesiastes 3, 3.11. Could someone read that? Chapter 3, verse 11. Barb. He has made everything 
eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. That's what Solomon said, man. After everything was meaningless, remember? But, but he knew. God said eternity on all our hearts, guys. Yeah. You know, I did a Bible talk one time on campus, a real talk, soul talk, whatever you want to call it. You know, it was called God Doesn't Believe in Atheists. That was the name of the discussion group. And we had a couple of people that were agnostic or didn't believe in God. And I said, God believes in you. Obviously, he loves you. But he doesn't believe a word of what you're saying about not believing. They didn't like that. <laughs> you know? And I used this scripture. I said, eternity has been set on your heart. And don't tell me before you die, you're just going to go, hey, to the dirt I go. You're going to think about where you're going to go. Why are you even thinking about it? You know, we talked about monkeys don't have funerals. They got one strand of DNA that's different from us. So they sometimes look like us, you know, walking around, you know, especially if you've got a tough back. And it kind of looked like us a little bit, you know? And, and, you know, depending on, you know, how we look. But I think it is true. Like, they're not far from us, but why don't they act like us? Because they don't have eternity, I said, on their hearts. That's right. They would, they would celebrate the death of a loved one, wouldn't they? If they were like us. But they walk over their dead. They shake it, see if it's alive, and woo-hoo, and then leave, basically. Where's the funeral? There's nothing, no funeral because the eternity is not set on our hearts. There is something in our hearts that is restless. That God cannot, God must fulfill or else we go throughout our lives restless. And I think we all knew that, right? Something was missing. There's got to be something missing. What's the purpose of this life? We've all asked those questions, right? Everyone asked those questions, guys. How come at funerals, people that never are religious go, I know he's still conscious somewhere. I'm like, whoa. How do you know that? I can just feel it. There's no way. Oh, that's just denial. They don't want to lose their you know, family member. No, no, that's eternity speaking. That's a piece of God, amen, speaking. This is what Augustine said again. You have us for yourself, O oh Lord. And our hearts are restless until they rest in you. Mm. This is a beautiful quote. Yeah. God has made us for himself. Yeah. You know, think about this. The church is the bride, okay? He's made himself a bride that is perfect for him. And a bride loves the bridegroom. They're in love. We're in love with God. You know, there's a lot of people... I've said this sometimes too. You go share your faith, people reject. You go, you know what? You're in love with God. You don't even know it. Mm. Not yet. Right. Not until you know. You know, I've been sharing my faith differently. People don't, are not interested, but I still look at them. I'm so glad I talked to you. Mm. You know? And just thinking about, wow, I'm a, a representation of God here to them. Right. It's really cool. Amen. Thinking about this, having the conviction that nothing could fulfill my heart without God. No idol can fill it. No money. How much money is going to do it? No money is going to do it. Right. People with money, it doesn't do it for them. Right. Ask Bill Gates, where are you going to go when you die, Bill? 
What's going on with your money? Bill, is it, is it helping you find eternity that's set on your heart? Right. You might sound this foundation and that foundation. I love the guy. He's so awesome. There's people in our campus ministry that had the Bill Gates scholarship that went to school because of Bill Gates. Right. Pretty amazing, right? Yeah. He's like, I can go to school to the highest level of education. Bill Gates scholarship. I'm like, why didn't I get the Bill Gates scholarship? <laughs> well... And then he started talking about it. <laughs> but, you know, again, it's, it's amazing. This guy's amazing. But what about eternity? What about eternity, guys? Doesn't fulfill us. The relationship, man, it doesn't. We know this. This is a conviction we've got to have, amen? Uh, Philippians 3.8. We're just going to read a couple things here. Um, can someone read Philippians 3.8? And then someone read James chapter 1, verse 16. Getting you moving here, okay? 16 and 17. So Philippians 3, 8, and then someone else go to James chapter 1, verse 16 through 17. Raise your hand if you'd like to read. Yes. Yusa. Philippians 3, 8. Uh, what is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Yeah. Amen. Rubbish. Trash. I just took out my trash yesterday. It was smelling. <laughs> smelling. You know, it's time to take out the trash, guys, with our idols. What, what are our idols? I want you to have, spend your week, spend your quiet times thinking about this, guys. And what's the remedy? God is. Amen. When you really get to see the surpassing greatness, you lose all things. Yeah. Because everything doesn't matter. Amen? Amen? You lose all things. Who could read James chapter 1, verse 16 through 17? Get in the word. Sarah. James chapter 1. Amen. Sorry, that was James 1, verse 16 through 17. Every good and perfect gift comes from God. The thing that's so hard is... God gave you that gift. And then somehow our hearts turn into an idol. Yeah. How do you think that makes God feel? Yeah. You know, I got no one Xbox, right? Xbox, Christmas gift. What if he was like, Dad, I just don't want to hang out with you. I don't want to hang out with the Xbox. I want to play the Xbox. I'm just going to keep playing that. And, you know, I don't really... I feel good with this. I, I, leave me alone. Man, that's going to hurt my feelings. What am I going to want to do with the Xbox? <laughs> you know things amazing? With God, He won't break it. He won't break it. He, he knows you learn more. You're already suffering. Breaking it is just going to make Him the bad guy. He's a good guy. So he allows us to keep on playing whatever we're using to get comfort, to get joy. And it's interesting how it never, it's like a cup, right? You try to get it to, to, your, to, to drink, you're really thirsty, but there's holes in that cup. And you just keep on, oh yeah, man. Oh, that cup. You know? Um, in Dante's Inferno, that was a level of hell he described. 
in his book. Crazy, crazy book. If you ever want to just go to another place, <laughs> Dante's Inferno. You know, but, but that was one level of hell. It was so hot. And I don't believe God is trying to torture us like that. But certainly that was Dante's thought. But there's deeper meaning. Sometimes we can live on, that's kind of hell on earth if you think about it. You keep trying to drink, keep trying to drink, nothing's happening. I love um, the song that says, there's a place in my heart that is empty, that nothing else can fulfill but God alone. Amen? Amen. This is a really cool quote. I don't know if I have it here. I'm just going to read it. Another C.S. Lewis quote. Earthly pleasures are supposed to function like rays of the sun that direct us back to their source. So how do we enjoy the blessings of life? Sometimes you can be like, okay, forget this. I'm emptying my bank account. I'm just going to live in a small house, tiny house, whatever they're called, right? Tiny house, man. I'm going to live there and just live the simple life and be away from all idols, you know? And I'm going to get a flip phone. Watch, you know? And, and I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that, you know? And, and uh, you know, probably the people with flip phones have it a lot easier than we do, right? But, you know... It's a thing about, okay, I'm going to throw away everything, and don't talk to me, and no, I can't have steak. It'll become an idol, you know? Well, no, no. That's not what God, God has richly blessed us, 1 Timothy 6, for everything for our enjoyment. Yeah. When we realize these things don't fulfill us, when we realize that there's eternity on our hearts that nothing can fulfill, then idols become worthless, and we can actually enjoy them for just what they are, temporary pleasures, temporary blessings, right. temporary, like a mist. But you can still enjoy when someone sprays a little mist on your face and you're hot. That's so encouraging. Then you get hot again, you know what I mean? You realize, you know, this is not going to fulfill, but you know, it's nice to get that little mist, little blessing on our face. Amen. But what's it supposed to do? Point us back to God. Right. We don't go, man, the, thank God for the rays. They really... Praise God, if we have the rays, there'd be no plants. The earth wouldn't be able to be heated. You know, no, no, we say, no, the sun does that, right? Mm-hmm. The ultimate source is God. We understand that analogy, right? Yeah. All right, Matthew 6, last scripture here. Doing good. Mm-hmm. And this is something that I want us to, you know, family group leaders and even your family groups, something to make it this part of your family group talk. I want to encourage this. Maybe next family group, you talk about this. You know, this is a great discussion, isn't it? Yeah. Separate men and women, get together all together, whatever you guys like to do. We all feel it. You know, it's not like, oh my goodness, Rick, you have idols? You have, you, you, you trust in these things sometimes? Oh my, ha, 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 unspiritual guy. No, we're going to be like, yeah, I relate to that. How do we both overcome that? How do we put down that idol and lift up God? How do we do that? The back... It's just for your own notes. I don't want to put too much stuff, but I put, compare your idols to Jesus. You do that? Wow. Real quick, it's going to go away. Nothing compares to the surpassing greatness of knowing God. Wow. Spend time seeing God for all that he is. Get to know this God. Everything else. There was a sermon done by Randy one time. I love it. See God. See your sin, see the mission. 
Love that sermon. That was one of my favorite sermons. I'll never forget it. Once you see God, like Isaiah 6, you see your sin before God. You see who you are before God. You're like, man, I'm not even worthy to be here. And then God's, who, said, who shall I send? He said, you know, here I send me. See the mission. It doesn't always have to be in seeking and save a loss. Whatever God's calling you to do. Maybe it's just crush those idols. Maybe it's get rid of that Netflix subscription for a little while. Maybe it's this. Maybe it's that. Whatever it is. Did you say Netflix subscription? Bro, come on, bro. It's a little too fiery for me, you know? Come on. They're going to, if I go away, they're going to offer me a free month. What am I going to do there, you know? I want to encourage us to just spend some time looking at the glory of God. Amen? Amen. So, last scripture, Matthew chapter 6, and uh, this is a real interesting passage, because I used to think this is just about worrying, and this passage is also about worrying. It says, do not worry, so, (laughs) you know, it it is about worry, but what about idols? Is this about idols? Because if you put... Instead of clothes, you put my career. Or instead of food, you put my relationship with this girl or boy or my kids or the perfect life or my expectations, whatever they are, right? My family. These things can can hit us. Verse 25 through 34, could anyone read that? It's a long passage of Scripture, so you have to be very eloquent. No, I'm just kidding. Just read where would I keep? Brando. Wait, wait, the Owens are reading all the time. You guys are reading hogs, man. Did you want to read? All right, we're passing. Passing. They're part of the same family group here. Jeez, they're so giving. Ah. No, they're not part of the same family group. Sorry, they, they're different. Verse 25 through 33. Amen. Thank you for reading that. Um, this is a promise from God that says, listen, if you put the right things first, yeah. God will give you everything you need. Amen. Right. You know, that is a daily battle. That's something that a daily decision that I need to make, that 
you need to make, right? And I feel like I enjoy, when I get rid of my idols, I enjoy God's blessings more. Mm-hmm. It's funny. Mm-hmm. When you don't put the pressure of them being God, you can enjoy them for what they are. Mm-hmm. The mist, the pleasures that come from the source. God. And if there's, you know, just think about this. People are so tempted with idols because everything that God makes is so amazing that they think it's God sometimes. Right. How amazing is this God then? Amen. Let's go to the source, amen? amen? And then we can enjoy the race. You know, we won't get burned. We'll have spiritual sunscreen on us. We won't get burned. And this is the last quote that I put on, online, actually. C.S. Lewis, that guy says a lot of things, huh? But first, put first things first, yeah. and we get second things thrown in. Put second things first, and we'll lose both first and second things. Man, that was, that was a great quote. But that's what Jesus said. Did he not say that? I think he said it a little further. C.S. Lewis said it a little further because we can't enjoy the blessings. You know, when you have money, you're able to give it to people and help people with it. I love giving money away because I say, you're worthless to me. You're worthless and weak. I say that sometimes to my money. Get away. You're worthless and weak. I don't care about you. Get out of the house. Get out of the bank account. That's encouraging to just give it. The money's supposed to be used to help others. It's God's, right? But it's worthless. The ways that you can get, getting rid of things helps to do that. But also first, seeing God for who he is. And so, I want to encourage everyone, if they can, I got another handout. The Lord gave me trees to encourage you. I didn't kill too many, though. I promise if we, if we get above 100, I'll start using an app or something. Okay, guys? But this is something that I found in this book that I've been doing, which has been really cool. So this is called, it's called the Gospel Project, and it's just name that. Sounds nice, right? But some, we gotta call it something, right? And it's basically a reading and prayer um, plan. Cool. It's a 40-day plan. You can do any time. Maybe you're in deep into something right now, and you don't want to do it right now. Maybe you're like, you know what? I don't have anything else thinking. I need some inspiration. Or maybe you can do this alongside whatever you're doing. Okay? So the the, um, the challenge or the project or whatever you want to do is to take 40 days and to read through all the Gospels. And I thought that, that was overwhelming at first when I read it. I was like, read through all the Gospels in 40 days? But then you look at it, it's only two chapters a day, two or three chapters a day. Yeah. And I'm like, come on now, that's, I can do that. But think about this. In 40 days, you'll read all the Gospels. It's pretty powerful. I mean, if you want to understand the gospel, reading the four gospels certainly will help you. Amen? And then also, every day you pray this prayer alongside the other prayers you do. The four, four 
pieces of prayer that we already have up here. I put it down here. And so um, I put this together today just to give you. And I think it will really encourage you. And if you want to get the book, that's great as well. Um, these are all just supplements to God's Word. But I think this could be something that could really help you. And what I've been trying to do is when I read the Gospels, put the Gospel message in each of the stories. Like we've been doing on Sunday. Zacchaeus, right? He was a no good, dirty, rotten scoundrel, right? And he had no business eating with Jesus. But Jesus accepted him and said, I want to eat with you, Zacchaeus. You and I, we're brothers. You and I. Before he changed. That's powerful. That God loves us like that and accepts us like that before we change. Salvation didn't come to the house until he changed, amen? But God accepted us and dreamed for who we are. He knew Zacchaeus who he really was. He knew the real Zacchaeus. I was talking to someone the other day who said, I don't think I can forgive myself for all the sins I've done. And I said, There's, you have no authority to forgive yourself. Only God can forgive. And you'll never learn how to forgive yourself until you understand and see it modeled. So the ultimate forgiver, Jesus. And so you've got to learn that first. Satan was twisting him up. I said, you've been trying to forgive yourself for 20 years, bro. How's that going? Yeah. It's taking time because who's going to model that for him? And so I, try, I want you to try to put yourself in the gospel stories. So you're not just reading through. And obviously, you know, when you're, some of the stuff you can't because you're like reading through the baby Jesus moments. You can't, Seth can't put himself in there. You know, maybe he can, but it's hard to do. You know what I mean? But, you know, he's the Magi guy. You know, he's trying to do it, you know. But try as best you can to read it with that perspective. And you'll be so enriched, I believe, in a powerful, powerful way. So this is something that so totally something you can do or not do. But if you are doing it, love to hear how it's going. And um, I've just been praying this. And then I'll say the prayer, right, the first part of the prayer. And then I'll just kind of free associate with God about how hard this is to accept sometimes. Or, really? You, you love me? So if I like... Do this and that, you still love me? Like, if I don't do the good I ought to do sometimes, you still love me? Sometimes I'll just sit and God's like, what do you think? What do you think? I loved you. And I, then I hear scripture hitting me. You ever do that? You ask God a question and scripture just start hitting you? Like, well, I don't even know that much scripture. How come I'm hitting, getting hit like that? He's like, well, while you were a sinner, I died for you. And I was like, oh, man. That's true, Lord. <laughs> you know? So how much more when I'm trying? You know what I mean? Right. I'm struggling to do what's right. How much more will you love me and be willing to do that for me? Amen. So that's just a thought. Let's have a prayer. I was going to ask, um, I was going to ask Charlie. He's preaching this Sunday. People get fired up when Charlie preaches. He's preaching about uh, the bleeding woman. And uh, he's really going to, uh, he's been really praying and thinking about this, but I, I would like him to close this out with prayer and then have a great Amen. fellowship. Amen. Amen. Dear God, thank you for allowing us to come before you, for uh, blessing us uh, that we can come together Amen. as people and as children of you and as forgiven ones, as seekers, God. Um, 
thank you that you love us enough um, to not break our Xbox down. <laughs> you want to teach us that you, you are.